Hello, dudes and dudettes, and welcome to the best broadcast this side of the wrestling world. I am one of your hosts, Jesse the Body, here with my ever-faithful partner, Johnny Podcast. How's it going, bro? Pretty good, bro. Um, Good thing (laughs) they changed his name to Riddle, because now, you know, a Google search won't uh, bring up his legal trouble. Right. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing this evening? I'm good, buddy. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. That's good. Well, um, I might have to power through a little bit today. I got a lot of drainage, so I've been coughing a lot. So uh, that's fine. Just indulge me if I'm if I start hacking up along. You just take over. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> so we uh, we have pretty loose structure tonight. Um, you know, we've we've kind of been super structured the last few weeks, the uh, Attitude Era, and I think now. Now's the time we just want to go ahead and get caught up with uh, the goings on and on Raw and SmackDown and NXT. And if we have time, we can, you know, kind of talk about other things. But uh, but that was kind of where I was I was looking at tonight, Jesse. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's been some um, things happening over the past few weeks that we've kind of ignored due to our Attitude Era retrospective, which, you know, I, I don't regret doing at all. But it's a no. good time to get caught up on some things and um you know, talk about uh, hopefully some some bright days ahead. So you know, that's kind of kind of the way it's looking. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I read um, SmackDown actually just had the largest um, largest audience on t- television since the uh, pandemic started. So <coughs> hopefully that means people are you know returning back to their you know regular viewing habits, and hopefully all the ratings will rise. Well, I think the Thunderdome approach is kind of helping a little bit. I think people are starting to tune in more because it kind of does give it that, you know, that fan feel and just the whole empty arena thing. Because, you know, WWE had a good slogan not too long ago. I was watching NXT, and it's a slogan they did a few years ago that I completely forgotten about. It showed Daniel mm-hmm. Bryan coming out, trying to do the yes chance, but nobody was there. And he's like, yeah, this doesn't happen without you talking about the fans. Yeah. No, I mean, it's absolutely you know, the fact right. That they have something, semblance of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it gives it gives a chance for audience participation because otherwise they don't they don't know what what they're doing. I mean, you know, they can go out there and read their lines as as scripted, but if they don't have a crowd reaction, they don't know if it's it's a dud or not. And um, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the money they've invested in that, and you know, I think it's coming to an end here at Survivor Series or before. Um, well, it's not coming to an end. Oh, it's they're not actually moving it. Oh. No, they're gonna they're they're looking at because they have the Amway Center till the end of the month, but oh. they're using the whole Thunder Truck Dome approach. They're gonna move it to the I think there's a baseball stadium somewhere in Florida that's pretty large. It's a dome oh. stadium, so they're looking at doing that as well as bringing in some actual fans that can you know distance themselves. <coughs> Actually, okay, so I hadn't seen that. That's a great idea. Um, you know, kind of ease back into things a little bit, and I mean, and that's that's the approach that we've seen from. Um, all elite you know they started out with having the um you know the wrestlers as fans and you know that that worked for what it was but you know you're talking about people that are paid to be there to and you can tell them what to do right at, you know and they started i think they're at 15 percent capacity or something like that i mean it's not they're still you know aaron show daily plaza I mean, and I, I think that's that's the the right thing to do, and especially you know a baseball stadium is going to give them plenty of room where they can space people out. 
Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I can't remember the name of the baseball stadium, but it's a it's a pretty big dome stadium down there. So that's what they're looking yeah. at. I guess that's going to be their their next approach since uh, yeah. the performance center is being used up by NXT. It might be the um, Tropicana, I think, where the the uh, Tampa Bay Rays play. Um, yes, that's what it is. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, that's that'll be. I cool. knew that'll I knew as neat. soon as I heard the name, I, I would I would remember yeah. it. So yeah, no, it's it, stadium, but it is it's large and it's indoors which in florida that's kind of a surprise but um right you know it works works for their purposes because now they don't have to worry about weather or anything like that so and they'll be able to pack a lot more screens into that you know into that show as well if they wanted to well i think what they what they want to do is they want to put the screens on like one side and maybe Mm -hmm. have some fans spaced out throughout the other side just to kind of fill in the gaps yeah and that's that's one thing we talked about that we both liked about the uh the rechristened um, Capital Performance or Capital <laughs> Wrestling Center um, is that you know it's a mix. There's there's those boor- uh, screen boards up in the top, but then there's fans down in down below. Um, it's a nice mix of the two, and um, it, it puts off a really good vibe on television. Dude, to me, it kind of gives it that old that old school vibe feel, which I feel is is important <clears throat> sometimes and missing from wrestling. And it kind of it just gives it that that feel of you know what what made me a wrestling fan i mean to me it yeah. does, but i'm older school like that i don't know how it would how well it re- yeah. resonates with the younger audience but no not i don't either um you know and that's that's the thing that you know the two of us two of us probably don't have the our finger on the pulse of what the younger wrestling fans look at i mean i have a six-year-old but he pretty much follows what i like so i mean <laughs> if i'm watching <laughs> if i'm watching the best of eddie guerrero on television, he thinks Eddie Guerrero's the greatest wrestler ever. And, you know, I, I would definitely, by the way, that's a fantastic collection on uh, WWE Network. It just dropped this week. So, um, but, but yeah, we've been watching that. I mean, and he actually likes WCW. He likes watching, he, he always has to watch old school wrestling. So I think that's pretty cool, but I don't know if it's just because that's what dad likes or if that's because that's what he actually enjoys. But, right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I like I like the reverence for the past, and you know I think I think most companies are doing a good job of that. Um, but I mean, it, it's just how they counter. Well, it could it. be it could be the what's old is new again approach, and even yeah. when we do get to a point where we can have fans in the stadiums again, I think they still ought to ought to take a an older school approach for a while, and mm-hmm. even do it every every once in a while as a as maybe even a gimmick thing. I don't think it would be a bad idea. No, 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 not at all. And I mean, and it, it gives you, a, it gives a different look. It, get, it makes it feel fresh. But at the same time, as you said, it's kind of an homage to what's come before. And um, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think wrestling is at its best when you have a reverence for the past, but you're willing to push the boundaries into the future. So that's just yeah, my respect, opinion. respect the past, embrace the future concept. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. So first thing uh, I'd like to like, talk about, honestly, tonight is uh is is Drew McIntyre. Um, mm-hmm. I was worried a little bit when he lost the title to Randy Orton because you know he lost the title to Orton back at the Hell. But they've really kept him prominent. They've really kept him in the storylines. They've kept. I mean, you, you could tell that now he is he is an A plus player. He's a main event player. There's there's no going back. And I was worried about that, but I'm glad to see that they have still have confidence in him. I think they're waiting to get some fans in there for his big, for his big moment. Cause I, I believe he'll be champion again. Yeah. I don't think that was a, as big of a setback as, as probably we, we even thought it might be at, at, 
at the time when we were talking about it becoming a possibility. Um, <clears throat> I think, he, you know, and, and, and the chase is always, that's where the money is, they say. And um, I'm interested to see, you know, how it plays out. But I think, like you said, he's going to be that main event player for the foreseeable future. <clears throat> you there? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, you're not, you're not pushing him back down the cart at this point. He's not going to be wrestling Dolph Ziggler in a month. So. Right. They, you know, they've, I mean, they're, they're pushing now next week, we get a championship match between him and Orton, which I don't think I'll get the title back then. I think it's just, um, you know, just, just, just a main event to get him to survivor series to see it because, you know, with the survivor series is it's the brand versus brand supremacy type BS that's there every year, which, yeah, it, it kind of had its thing, but th- then it, it messes up current storylines when they decide to do something like that. I mean, I just want the regular Survivor Series like we used to have, and not this brand to brand stuff because the average fan doesn't care. No, and it doesn't matter. I mean, it is so arbitrary that it's like, oh, it's November now. The brands hate each other all of a sudden. Yeah, but, I mean, it has it has no relevance. It's, it's and, and I don't, I do not like the, you know, this is maybe another topic for another day, but I do not like the. Um, the monthly branded pay-per-views, the, you know, oh, it's October, it's time for Hell in a Cell. Like, I, I think those things should come naturally. And, I mean, Survivor Series, yeah, you, you could po- probably justify having that be a team versus team every year, but but just to have it, you know, oh, Raw versus SmackDown every year is, is it's played out and it's it's not the original concept. And uh, well, Like you said, with Hell, with Hell in a Cell or even Elimination Chamber, those those matches, particularly Hell in a Cell, they were a rivalry ending match. Exactly. So it's like you're telling me they're only, you're only going to end rivalries with that one time a year, and even then they don't end because they they can even extend beyond that. Yeah. So. No, and I think I think with like the um, the Reigns and Uso. I mean, I'm not trying to jump over SmackDown yet, but with the Reigns and Uso storyline, I mean that kind of was the a finality to that with the I Quit match. But but to your point, yeah, I mean. <clears throat> You know, there's there's a reason to book those matches. There's a reason to book cage matches, and you're taking that away from from you're taking that uh, element away from the story. And uh, I just feel like it damages your your ability to make money making feuds. Yeah, like like you said, it it worked well with Reigns and Uso, but even with Charlotte and Becky, I'm Charlotte and Becky, Sasha and Bailey, mm-hmm. which was the best match that hell in the cell. It was kind of the start of their rivalry it wasn't really really an ending to it but that yeah. that match was was great i don't know if you've seen it yet but i'm actually a little bit behind um so i'm i still need to watch that um, i'm gonna try to watch full gear as well um just trying to get caught up with with other things so yeah i haven't i haven't seen it yet but i am looking forward to it <clears throat> but um yeah um I forgot what I was going to say. I know you had some things you wanted to say about retribution. You had mentioned that last week. Um, yeah, there. So I don't know if they even had, you know, when this thing was rolled out, they had, what, 20, 10, 20 people. Mm-hmm. And then it was like they were putting different people on the roles because they didn't know who they wanted in the role yet. I don't think they even had an idea of what the group was supposed to be. No. And you could really tell that, that the writers slacked off on it. They were, ended up just being five main members. And then it went down to four because Mercedes Martinez requested to go back to NXT. And then, you know, you had Mustafa Ali be, be their leader, but they've really been hurt in the last few weeks because 
they put them into a feud with the Hurt Business, mm-hmm. which is another heel group. So you're putting a heel group against a heel group, and you're making the new heel group that you're trying to establish look very bad. I think the Hurt Business should have come later on down the line and not right away because it's really hurt them in terms of credibility. Um, a lot of the guys have just, just been fed to the Hurt. Now, I like the Hurt Business. This is not a knock on them, but it's just it, they've these guys have not looked good at all. This past Monday was the first step towards making them, you know, look better, look, you know, getting past the hurt business, maybe coming back to them at some point, but getting them mm-hmm. to a point where they could be considered a dominant threat where they're trying to recruit other people into the group. Yeah. Um, I think what they beat down Ricochet this last week. Um, and it, it's just, the whole thing has been so bizarre. Um, <laughs> just I mean, evil. Yeah, and, and it's just like I, I was on WWE Shop earlier, and they have a whole like line of retribution gear now, and I'm like, these are they're supposed to be anti WWE, so why are they allowing WWE to and, and storyline wise? I mean, I get that it's you know it is what it is, it's business, but in storyline wise, why would you let WWE make money off of your? You know it, your your image and your logo if you're anti WWE, and they're only showing up on one show. I mean, they should yeah. be able to bounce back and forth between Raw and SmackDown yeah. instead of just being oh, well, they're contractually obligated to Raw and they're going to follow the details of their contract. No, they're supposed to be like you said, an anti-establishment group. Yeah. So why are they playing by by the rules? I mean, yeah, right. I, we can we can only suspend our disbelief for so long, right? Before it starts to get you know. <laughs> Right. I mean, and like, you know, I, I'm watching, as we've talked about before, I'm watching the old WCW and, you know, I just got to the part where Scott Hall showed up and I mean, they don't refer to him by name. He doesn't have music. It's they, they barely even talk about him after he shows up because they're, they're treating it like it's different from the rest of the show. And that's what made the NWO work is they didn't belong there. They weren't they weren't a part of the show. Once you make them part of the circus, it doesn't matter. They're still just another dancing bear. And, right. And I mean, and that's that's unfortunately what WWE continues to do with these groups. I mean, the Shield's probably the best that they've done as an outsider group. But even that, they, you know, brought them into the fold probably quicker than I would have liked, you know, with entrance music and those types of things. <clears throat> but but that's they, they seem to, like, miss the mark on the on the on the outsider group being outsiders and that's what and i mean it's hurt retribution it's hurt you know nexus it's hurt so many of the different groups that they've tried this with yeah i mean i mean they 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 try to make people suspend their disbelief and like oh well you know you got to treat these guys like outsiders even though they have entrance music and they have to play by the same set of rules you know daniel bryan got fired for choking out justin roberts with his tie Yep, and they just fire him for it. But it's like, well, he was playing the role of the character that you wanted him to play. Yeah, but exactly. yeah, you're saying, oh no, you can't do that. You know, you're. But it's like, it just didn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah, Mattel's not going to like that that you were choking a guy. That that's the point is you you know it's supposed to be outside of the norm. I mean, yeah. if you if you just bring them in and they conform to the norm, there's no point to it. Um, it's it's frustrating and it's it's one of those things where it's like creatively like you said I don't I don't think they had a a you know fully formed baby to to put out there with retribution I think it was you know just a partial thing and they you know they really blew it I mean well it, it seemed like it was it was a thing to try to pop ratings 
because of, you know their ratings were doing really bad. They're like, oh well, let's let's throw something together to, to pop some ratings. But then they had to figure, well, we need to follow up on this. So yeah. what are we going to do now? Kind of. Yeah, absolutely. And you know the thing. <clears throat> I mean, I, I like like retroactively how they've made Mustafa Ali. They've explained his motivations. Like it's you know. He was he was he lost his spot in the Hell in the Cell, or I'm sorry, the Elimination Chamber, and then Kofi got his spot, and Kofi went on to have Kofi Mania, and then he was the mysterious or the mystery hacker, and then you know now he's getting his revenge because he didn't, you know, he got passed over for for his opportunity. I mean, that that is good, but it's a retroactive ass covering, for lack of a better. Yeah, word. yeah, I mean. I'm- and and they need to follow up more on that, especially as it as it concerns Ali. I mean, like I said, this Monday was a little bit of development because he's trying to get Ricochet to join in the group. You know, mm-hmm. and as Ricochet is one of those guys that's being held down or held back. You know, they could even bring Alistair Black in, bring in some more credible guys yeah. that to people at the main roster have known, and I and I think it'll work a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and it's just I, I get frustrated especially you know you just mentioned two people from nxt that my whole thing is like if i give my son money to start a lemonade stand and he buys like 70 lemons but doesn't use them i'm gonna be like why did you spend so much money on all these lemons right right and that's what they do with it with these nxt players i mean they bring them up but they have no plan for them and it's it's a waste of your resources. It's a waste of your time. And when they could be doing stuff down in NXT that, you know, they're, they're still getting an audience and they're still learning the WWE system. And it's just, it's frustrating to see people struggle because I mean, as soon as the retribution thing's over, I'm sure at least two of them will be released and two of them will be repackaged. I mean, that, that would be my, my normal guess. Yeah. I could see Shane Thorne getting released. I could see Dominic Dijakovic and Mia Yim being repackaged. And I could mm-hmm. see the guy that's playing Mace be released. I could see him and Shane being released and Dominic and Mia being attacked. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's, I mean, it's 50 50. And it's, it's frustrating, like I said. But, but, um, you know, the other thing that's been pretty noteworthy and it, it was a SmackDown storyline that has become a Raw storyline is, uh, with The Fiend and Alexa Bliss. Um, and I, I don't know how you feel about it. I, I, I really like the the, uh, the way it's being presented. Oh, it, it's um, definitely added. I think I think they put Alexa Bliss with him because, honestly, I think they needed to add more depth to his character. I mean, you can mm-hmm. only go so far with that. And it's like, okay, well, what do we do now? Well, you add another element to it. And Alexa Bliss is so talented. I mean, she's pulling it off extremely well. Being, you know, the, the crazy Harley Quinn type girl. I mean, she's just doing yeah. she's doing a knockout job, and I think that was the missing missing ingredient that is just working so well. I thought originally it would be Nikki Cross, but Alexa Bliss has really stepped up to the plate. Yeah, and I mean, I could see them having their own. I don't want to say stable because we've seen the Wyatt family several times, but but I like that pairing. I like, like you said, Alexa Bliss is just so multi talented that she's she's doing a fantastic job being the being a female version of the Fiend and. Um, it's it's just it's a something different and 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 um, you know it's he's a probably the best character they have going right now which 
you know, those, that's not my words. Those are the words of the undertaker in a, in an interview he did with the New York post. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully they protect it and they continue to build upon it because it's something that they could reap reward from for a long time. Well, and, and I think adding an Alexa Bliss to that is, is proof of that. You know, they've, they've, it's not repackaged him or anything. It's just, it's freshened him up a little bit. It's added a little bit more depth to yeah. his character. You know, they, they did a segment this past week where they're doing a swear jar now. So wherever, you know, anytime swear gets bleeped out on television, you know, they got to add money to the swear jar. I mean, they're, they're trying new and different things and it's just, it's coming off yeah. extremely well. I don't think they need to keep pushing him towards the world title though. Keep him out of that for, for a bit. Let it build up to that because we saw how that happened the yeah. first time around. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think he's a character that needs a world title to be quite honest. I mean, you know, he's shown that he can win it at any time, but um, you know, unless he, faces someone that has a spear as a finisher he's he's gonna be okay and continuing to defend it but um but um well i guess goldberg has a jackhammer but either way point being right he lost it to roman and he lost it to to goldberg but um, well he didn't get yeah i think he, he, he didn't intend to lose the title in that match though it was Braun. was it yeah i forgot it was, already it was, that, it was, yeah it was the triple threat and Braun actually ended up getting pinned okay so that was the protect bray yeah. that makes sense Okay, but yeah, I, I think I think it's been a good addition to Raw. I think it's something that SmackDown's ratings has, have continued to be strong, and I think it's something that they knew was popular on SmackDown, so they moved it over to Raw to try to give it a boost. And um, hopefully, it's working. I haven't I haven't seen what Raw's numbers have been like, and like like we said, we don't we don't um, obsess over rating numbers or anything like that. But but you do want to see them stabilize a little bit. They've been the lowest they'd been in several years at you know for the last few months well, I, I look at i look at ratings now as more of a gauge of what people are, are liking or not liking if the ratings are down that means people aren't tuning in because they're not liking what they see yeah. but if the ratings are up that means that they are liking what they see so they're starting to tune in and i think smackdown's boost has been honestly i think roman reigns is just killing it as a heel he's doing some of the yeah, best I'm... work of his career right now because he is this heel that every word he says matters every action he does matters Everything is important, and it's and it's just refreshing, and it's nice to see. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I like you know them bringing the Usos. Well, I mean, at least Jay at this point into the storyline, and you know, <clears throat> I mean, he's you know choked out Jimmy as a way to get Jay to quit at Hell in the Cell, and um, you know he's just this conniving, manipulating heel, and he's just absolutely perfect in the role, and it's everything they should have done with Roman from day one. Um, you know, he's, he was, you know, strong in, in the shield and, you know, then they try to make him into this suffering succotash, you know, top level baby face. And it just, it was a square peg and a round hole. Right. I mean, and, not every guy's going to be the next John Cena. I mean, you can't, no, you can't groom every guy to be the next John Cena. You gotta be, you know, somebody has got to be the first Roman Reigns. Somebody has to be the yeah. first Bray Wyatt. I mean, you know, exactly. And I mean, and there's nothing wrong with him being, being a, version of Goldberg or a version of Brock Lesnar, you know, that just the, the shit kicker that just comes in and destroys people. And I think people will get behind it. And eventually Roman will be a pop, more popular baby face than he ever was, you know, as when they were trying to push him down people's throats. Yeah, exactly. Well, he said yeah. something this past week that I thought was really cool. I'm going to go back to it where he told, where Jay's like, you know, you, you use the only person in the world, you knew I'd say I quit for, you knew what you were doing. And Roman just looked at him and smiled and was like, course i did he goes that's what you got to do to be able to keep this title you got to do whatever it takes so it's like 
you know, Roman knew exactly what it was doing, and and he was okay with it because he knew that was going to make him the top dog. Yep. I mean, it's it's that win at all costs mentality, and you're seeing it. You know, now you know you see Jay Jay doing it. I mean, you know, uh, hitting a low blow on Kevin Owens on last Friday night SmackDown, and you know, beating the living hell out of Daniel Bryan the week before. I mean, it's it's Roman slowly infecting everybody else that's around him. And um, I think I think eventually we're going to come back around to, to that underdog Jay versus Roman storyline, but I think it's going to be further down the road. And that they can even evolve. I mean, they're already setting up several storylines, you know, by doing what they did to Daniel Bryan, doing what they did to Kevin Owens. They're they're yep. they're you know setting things up for, for later on. So it seems to me like they're doing some long term planning, at least on SmackDown, and that's it's good to see, you know, that they have a goal that they want to get to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you said, like you said earlier, you know, we're having little hope for the future here. I mean, that's that shows long term planning. And that's something that we do not see very much, um, especially with WWE. And it's been a constant source of <coughs> excuse me, frustration for the two of us is, you know, we want it to have a logical, a logical flow to the storyline. And, you know, it could be a year before they come back around to, to Jay and, and Roman. And that's that's fine. Um, I think you got to see how things play out. Yeah, You know, they're not rushing it. They're doing the slow build like they did no. with Sasha and Bailey. And, and I think that feud is done for right now, but I think they'll go back to it once they get fans in the arenas. I mean, yeah, it sucks that they I had think... to do it now, you know, in the air, but they can't, they couldn't drag it out forever because they've been ongoing since the first of the year. It's like they couldn't really drag it out another year. <laughs> no, and, and I'm actually glad that they didn't try to artificially like do some kind of screw job, hell in the cell thing. And, you know, um, you know, I wanted to see Sasha, you know, win the Rumble and then challenge Bailey, but. I don't think that's going to be what happens, but uh, now it looks like, you know, Sasha's on to Carmella, uh, the repackaged unstoppable Carmella. Yeah. <laughs> See how and, um, out, but... Yeah. They've tried that with so many different female talent. Um, you know, the, the Emelina, the um, good Lord, I'm forgetting now. I know Liv did it. I know, you know, now we've got Carmella. They're all trying to be that bombshell. Lana. Uh, Lana. Yeah. And um, it just it's just never worked the way they think it's going to work. And um, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Carmel is not an uh, untalented worker. I mean, she's got some ability, but I just think, you know, at best, you're going to get Baymella, the Bailey Carmella team back together. But I, I, you know, I don't know what what the best thing of, of that would be. Yeah, because they're, they're like legit best friends along with Sasha Banks. So, yeah, I can see them work, working working well together. It looks like we're getting the seeds, too, maybe for a – because I know Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, they're also legit best friends. So that's <laughs> the point where they team up and then start off on their own rivalry that they want to do, possibly for the WWE title when, when Drew gets it back. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's definitely possible, too. And I know, um, obviously, they're going to be setting things up for Edge's return. Um, whenever that ends up happening, I know they're eyeing a an I quit match for WrestleMania between him and Orton to bring their feud to a close. Uh, but obviously, plans change and things change. But uh, I think that's the idea there. But um, and I, I'm looking forward to Orton and, and Roman. Um, you know, their first their first encounter at SummerSlam a few years ago wasn't wasn't the best match I've ever seen. But uh, but I think with the 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 work that the two of them are putting in right now. 
I think that's the the right match to culminate this brand uh, brand rivalry pay per view. Yeah, it's, it's going to be hard to pick a winner on that one because they're both both protected very much and very strongly. Mm-hmm. See who's going to actually come out on top. It's going to be interesting to see how the, how they book it. And I'm, I was kind of wondering too about like I wasn't crazy about another Sasha Banks Oscar match, but then they made a good point on TV that Sasha's never beat Oscar. So maybe now this is her time with her being in the new face role without Bailey by her side that maybe she can finally beat the woman she hasn't been able to beat. Yeah, and I think that's part of Sasha's. Yeah, exactly. I think that's part of Sasha's uh, redemption arc, too. Is, you know, she never defended the title before. And this this last, you know, past Friday was the first time she defended the title and, and you know, held on to it. And, um, you know, it's something we continue to see with, like, Johnny Gargano. Um, you know, he just dropped the North American title after winning it off of Damian Priest. But, um, but yeah, I think that that has been a continuing thing where Sasha always lost it on her first defense, and this was the first time that she didn't. So I think that's that's going to be part of it, too. I mean, it's all about slaying those giants that she tried to take the easy road, you know, on when she was a heel. Right. So. And, I, and, I, and I think this could culminate with her actually beating, beating Asuka clean and earning Asuka's respect. That the fact that she beat her clean, she beat her without Bailey at her side, you know, like you said, the the great redemption arc there. So when when they brought that up, I'm like, okay, I I can kind of see that now. Yeah, I mean, and it it would be an interesting an interesting match, definitely, because they they are both very talented women, and um, that's that's one of those ones that could be a main event on any show, just about, um, just because of the ability of the two involved, and you know, Sasha's got a daredevil style to her. I mean, she's hurt herself a few times, but but she always brings it, and she doesn't hold back. And um, yeah, neither does Oscar. I mean, I'll... <clears throat> no, no, not at all. No, definitely, definitely. And um, you know, I, I'm kind of wondering, you know, um, we haven't seen Charlotte Flair in a long time, and I'm kind of wondering where she's going to fit in whenever she makes her return. Um, which I have not seen any news about, so I don't know. Have you seen anything? No, I haven't seen anything about her return yet. I know she had an elective surgery done. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm, but they haven't really stated a timetable for her return. I'm thinking they may hold off until the Royal Rumble to bring her back. I don't think she'll win it again, but I think she'll be a, maybe a surprise entrant, you know, the return of of Charlotte Flair. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be one of those, you know, big returns that, that they always try to make a big deal of at, at the Royal Rumble. And as far no, as that, the, that, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say with, with the whole Lana thing, it's almost become a running joke now that eight weeks in a row she's table eight times. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some, been some speculation of, old oh, WWE's punishing her because her husband signed with AEW, so they're taking it out on her, and there's another where they're trying to turn her face, so she's finally going to get a revenge on Nia, possibly at you know, the upcoming Survivor Series to finally put her through a table. But it's become a running joke at this point where you know every week Lana's going to be put through a table. Yeah, I don't know what they're trying to. Con- I mean, like, I don't feel sorry for her. Like, no, I, I mean, don't either. They've booked her so terribly this whole time. I mean, they've booked her as a as a horrible person, and I mean, there's no rede- I mean, putting you through a table has not changed the way that people look at you. I mean, she obviously she's being bullied, she's being picked on, but at the same time, it's kind of a comeuppance for how she's treated people this whole time. 
you're, you know, cheating on our husband and all that. I mean, people yeah. don't feel sorry for you when you, when you do those kind of things. Yeah. And, and, and as far as like punishment goes, um, I, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think, you know, if they didn't want him to sign with AEW, they probably shouldn't have released him. And, you know, that's the, that's the bottom line with them. I mean, the guy, the guy wants to work. Gotta make, he's still got to make a living. I mean, you yeah. release him, so what do you expect him to do? He's got to make a living. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, he doesn't have a choice. And you, you got so many other people working there that, you know, Adam Cole's dating Britt Baker. Cedric Alexander's married to um, Big Swole. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of cross, you know, crossbreeding between the two companies that, you know, they can't control that and they can't punish everybody that's, you know, got a, a spouse that works in the other company or, a, or, you know, significant other. Right. I think, I think it's more along the lines of they're trying to turn Lana face or they're trying to get her some sympathy by having Nia Jax put her through a table and that she's finally going to get that come up. And so, like you said, are people really going to care because of the way she's been portrayed the last few years? No. And, and, and to go even further, I mean, you know, I remember they were hyping the hell out of her first singles match against Naomi a few years ago. And I mean, she's she's not talented in the ring. I mean, there's not been an improvement. And, you know, that's that's what people get behind. You know, Daniel Bryan had like no character when he came in the WWE, but people would organically cheer for him because of the ability that he put on in the ring. And it's she doesn't have that. And, you know, there's some people that have that have that electric character that they don't have to be the best worker in the ring, but she doesn't have that either. And I don't, I don't know what, what WWE is trying to accomplish out of that. And this isn't me hating on Lana. Like I, you know, I have, I'm indifferent to her to be honest, but, but I I just, I'm, I'm being an, uh, giving an honest assessment of how I see things. Right. You're just calling it, calling it like you see, you're calling it the way she's been, that she's been portrayed and she's not been portrayed as this, She's been portrayed as very conniving, manipulating, scheming, yeah. not somebody that people are going to just organically cheer for. Yeah, I mean, it's she's not she's not the rock. I mean, obviously, no one's the rock, but she doesn't have that that amount of charisma where she can get get away with you know three moves and a shitty uh, sharpshooter and a rock bottom, and you know she's not going to be able to do those things. It's and you know, like you said, there's no, I don't know how you redeem somebody past that, but. Anyway, I've spent more time talking about Lana than I ever really cared to at this point. <laughs> I just thought I just thought it was kind of funny that you know how it's been like yeah. eight weeks in a row. This coming Monday will probably be nine weeks in a row where she's put through a table, and it's like okay, there there has just has to be a payoff here somewhere. But yeah, I don't either that or it's going to be one of those things. They're like, oh yeah, we're still doing that. Like when uh, Hornswoggle was beating Chavo Guerrero in matches every week for God knows how long. Yeah, and then he was finally revealed as the anonymous GM as a way to, you know, write themselves out of that hole. <laughs> yeah, it's, ugh. Everything's hornswoggle. <laughs> it's so frustrating with the creative team sometimes because a lot of times, man, they have really good concepts, but they don't know how to end it. So they take the cheap and easy route out, even if it's even if they know it's going to piss people off. They're like, oh, well, people forget about it and move on to the next thing. Right. It's like, that's true, but it gets frustrating so much because <clears> – you know, you, you build something up so well, and then you just yeah fizzles out. Part lines, <laughs> and, and some of the time, some, some of the times they don't have a way to play it out in the ring, and it's like that. That's the whole point. Like, if where where do you where are you going with this? Because if if X isn't wrestling, then it, there's no point to it. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it, it's, it's frustrating. And it's, you know, we're, we're, you know, you and I are big comic book fans. We talked about that before. And, and, you know, those stories have a planned out beginning, middle and end, and they plan stuff out years in advance. So, you know, we can, we can read right now about what the next big DC comics event is. And I don't know why these writers don't get, you know, have a logical plan. And obviously, you know, injuries happen, things happen that change plans, but, but have a, a general plan that you want to go with to get, you know, a certain character from here to here. Like, don't put the briefcase on Otis if you don't have any plan for him to, to cash it in. And yeah, I mean, I kind of felt like we were back in 2010 again. You know, Miz is Mr. Money in the Bank, Randy Orton, yeah. the WWE champion. It's like, okay, we're we rehashing a storyline that happened just 10 years ago. Yeah, it's not. And I I think Miz has been defined down to the point where it doesn't. I don't think that he's elevating that briefcase any. And I don't think it's elevating him any. I think Miz, I think it should. I think it should have been John Morrison. Honestly, yeah. I think he's. He's earned it. He's still such a great wrestler, man. And the way that yeah. they're they're not utilizing him right at all, him, him or the Miz, either one, man, they could be taken as serious wrestlers if they would book them that way. Yeah, but they got them doing hey hey ho ho music videos, and you know. And then, and then I'll tell you what, this is, is not doing John Morrison any favors by them calling him Johnny Drip Drip. Sounds like he has an STD. Can't <laughs> <laughs> wrestle. I wouldn't want somebody announcing me here, Jesse Drip Drip. No, what? I'm I'm good on that one. I'll pass. <laughs> you know wow. i mean come on yeah that's they're not doing him any favors i mean and like you said he's he's more naturally gifted of the two i mean just the just that freak athlete and he never got that chance and you know hopefully maybe this is a this is a way to have them turn on each other at some point and you know put morrison over as a face and give him the boat you know the briefcase but um i don't know if that's you know, I, I don't know if they're going to make Johnny Drip Drip a uh, face of the company at this point, <laughs> other than bring bring him in to be a good hand. But well, there were talks too that I had I'd read where they were talking about bringing the Molina back. Speaking of John Morrison, I don't know yeah. if you'd read they read the reports on that or not. Yeah, I'd seen um, Molina and um, Eva Marie were both mentioned as uh, possibly redebuting, but um, and that was back around the brand split or the brand uh, draft. And, you know, we haven't seen hide nor hair of either one of them, but um, it honestly wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Molina has been staying active in the NWA and um, <clears throat> Eva Marie's been doing her own stuff. But um, I, I don't know what you gain by bringing her back, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I watched her NXT run and it was it was it was pretty brutal. So it's like, you know, she. You could tell she just didn't care to be there. She wasn't. She didn't get into WWE to be a wrestler. She got there to get some name recognition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which maybe faded to the wayside, and that's why she wants to come back. I mean, who knows? I'm, I don't follow Eva Marie, so I don't really care. But no, and it's it's another one of those. You know, if, if they're not benefiting you in the ring, and they're not talent. I mean, and Eva Marie is not good on the mic, even. You know what? What? What is the purpose of spending money to get this person in? And if I was a WWE shareholder, I'd be like, "Why would you do that?" Uh, obviously, you know that's not how shareholders work. But but in my mind, I would be like, "You know, why would you do this? You're you're setting yourself up for you're you're spending money for no reason." Right. So, and I want to ask you a question too. I, I just got done watching uh, NXT Takeover Twenty Five, mm-hmm. the one where uh, Gargano and Cole had an excellent five star match. Mm-hmm. By the way, I, I tell anybody, if you want to watch any good matches with Gargano, 
you need to watch his three takeover matches with Tommaso Ciampa and his three takeover matches with Adam Cole. Because mm-hmm. that right there is just what wrestling is all about. Yep. But um, 25, I guess he was supposed to go to Raw after that, and he never did. Did you ever read any reports of why that didn't happen? Uh, you talking about Gargano? Yeah. Uh, um, I think I think honestly, it's just because they don't want to they don't want to leave NXT. Um, and I I, I don't know, think they had a choice. I thought I thought if you get moved to the main roster, you have to go. Oh, I don't. That I don't know. Um, I, like I said, plans change. Um, and I I do not recall um a specific reason. I know you know they had the thing where they drafted up um, Colin Gargano came up and um. Or not Cole and Gargano. I'm sorry. Gargano and Ciampa came up, and then um, <clears throat> who else came up at that time? I think Black and Ricochet came up. And they right. Were, they had, they, they had, I remember yeah. they had DIY on for a Raw SmackDown episode and a, and a SmackDown yeah. episode, and then Ciampa got hurt after that. Yeah. Yep. And then so, um, they had Gargano win the title in New York, and then the very next takeover, he lost it to Adam Cole, and then they had another two out of three falls match in Toronto yeah. after that. But I, I read reports that he was supposed to have gone to the rain roster after 25. Oh. And I wonder if he just said, no, I, I want to stay where I'm at. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's possible. He might've been able to call his own shot. I mean, typically WWE just doesn't give you an option, but um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, that's something that I hadn't really um, followed. I know that I know recently him and Ciampa have all said they want to stay in NXT for maybe their whole careers. So, um, I don't know. It's become uh, its own uh, brand now. I mean, NXT started yeah. out as this yeah. developmental system, and now it's on USA. It's got it's a two hour show. They're having their takeover. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's become its own own entity, I and mean, it's just been rocking it, man. Still, even to this day, it still has the best rivalries and some of the best wrestlers. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they've done a fantastic job with you know shows, special episodes like the Great American Bash and Halloween Havoc, where I mean they're you know, like, well, we won't get into the ratings talk, but those those two performed way better than a normal NXT episode. And, um, and you know, I think that's that speaks to their ability to really put on a great a great show when it's a big event. Um, I think making that carry over week to week is something that they need to work on. But but uh, obviously, you know, those we love. I mean, we talk the entire time we were watching Halloween Havoc and it was just a fantastic show. Well, there wasn't a lot of talking, man. It was it was focused on the wrestling. It was fo- focused on the guys mm-hmm. in the ring telling the stories. And speaking of NXT, what I think what we need to talk about is the new faction that's forming because I'm really excited about this group. They're calling themselves the Kings of NXT. And Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch. I personally am happy yeah. for Lorcan and Burch because these two, I've been watching, like I said, I've been watching NXT from the beginning. They have busted their ass to become pop you know j- j- you could tell how, how much they love it and how they busted their butt to earn the respect of the, of the fans and i'm just so happy mm-hmm. for these two guys because it's taken years you know they weren't handed anything they've had to scratch and claw just like gargano and champa did for everything that they have and i'm just really happy for these guys at the moment yeah absolutely and it's you know Pat McAfee, uh, you know, I, I was skeptical at the beginning, you know, of his involvement with, with WWE, but, um, man, he is, he is probably the best natural heel in wrestling right now. And I mean, that, that's, that's covering a lot of ground, but. And then you you had Pete Dunn, you had Pete Dunn to the mix, man. And you just got a great group of guys. Yeah. I mean, Pete Dunn is the ultimate, 
shit kicker, man. He's he is one tough son of a bitch. And uh, oh yeah, he is, man. Yeah. I, I've been watching NXT UK also with this NXT, and I'm like, man, this dude is just uber talented. <laughs> oh yeah, and his, I mean, just the, like the digit manipulation he does, where he's you know bending people's fingers apart and stepping on their you know their hands, and I mean, it just it it obviously it's not real, but it looks brutal. And it, that's exactly what you want. You want it to look brutal. You want to. You want someone to wince when they're watching it on television. And Pete Dunn brings brings across that like tad of realism to it. And um, he, he brings he brings he brings the credibility to it. And like I said, yeah. Bert, Birch and Lorkin have just. I, I'm just really happy for these guys because yeah. I know how hard they've worked. They've had to earn the respect that they have, and and you know, it just shows shows that you know with with you know hard hard work like that, you're going to be rewarded. I'm just. Yeah, I'm just really happy for both of them. No, no, and honestly, yeah, I, I am too. Um, you know, I remember they had some really uh, great matches against the, uh, you know, O'Reilly and Fish. Um, <clears throat> and I was even happy to see Breezango, you know, before them take take the titles for the first time. Um, you know, I think NXT is a is a good place for them to, you know, they came back and they, you know, they were finally crowned as champions, and um, you know, now they're involved in this bigger, larger storyline that you know, they're going to elevate the Kings of wrestling to a point where, you know, uh, a big match with undisputed air is probably on the horizon. Yeah. It's definitely something to look forward to. And like, like you said, man, they've just been doing Pat McAfee, such a natural heel and such a good talker. And, you know, he's I, the way that they, they presented this group, it just, it feels organic, you know, it feels natural. Doesn't yeah. feel like these were just four guys they put together. You know, you had Pete Dunn returning, turn, turn heel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just can't say good good enough things about this group, man. I'm really excited for to see where yeah. they take them, especially matches with the undisputed era. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be great. And um, I saw a, a shot from last night where they had um, <coughs> Tyler Breeze draped over the the announce table, and they were hold like Birch and Orkin and Lorkin were holding his arms, and Pat McAfee ran up and punted him. And uh, it just looked absolutely brutal. Um, and that's that's what you want out of a heel group. You want a heel group to be, you know, dirty and conniving like that. And um, it'll be at a completely face undisputed air is going to be an interesting thing to see. But um, but I think that the two of them, you know, those the eight of them will work great together and put on some awesome. Sh- yeah, I mean that's the storyline that you could you could have for the for the next year, you know, just the <laughs> amount of matches between them and, and and everything else. It's just, I uh, yeah, it's it's definitely one of the one of the bright spots. Well, there's many bright spots in NXT, yeah. but it's one of the definite big bright spots that's going on right now. You know, this group's just starting, so yeah, I'm excited to see how things go. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, Ridge Holland, you know, was injured, but I think he was going to be an integral part of it as well. But um. But the, the storylines between, I mean, you know, you had Cole and McAfee who had their issues. You had, you know, strong turn on Pete Dunn to join the Undisputed Era. And then, obviously, you had Fish and O'Reilly versus, you know, uh, uh, Lorkin and Burst before. Um, so, all these people have worked together before. They have a history. And it's, it's you know, long, almost long-form storytelling. They've, they've done a good job of making it work. And it may be a cut-to-fit type of thing, but it, but it is working very well. Yeah, I remember that match they had with the Lorcan and Birch had with the Undisputed Era. It was their first takeover. The fans didn't like them, but towards the end of that match, they had earned the fans' respect because yep. they had a great match. And they put 
everything out there against the undisputed air. They got a they got a clapping ovation at the end, and it just almost made me tear up, man, because I'm like, man, these these two guys busted their mm-hmm. ass, and, and they earned the respect of this. Crew. Yep. it was Chicago. Too. Yep, they're so they're a couple of hard ass workers, and um, I, I'm glad to see. You know them put in that spotlight with Pat McAfee. I think that's going to be good for the NXT as a brand. Um, so, yeah. So we got about twelve minutes left here. Um, is there some things you want to speak about on SmackDown? Or, I mean, besides the the Roman Reigns thing, there's not really a, a, a whole lot going on. I mean, another two hour show compared to the three hours of Raw. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's they're they're focusing mostly on this. On the on the Reigns thing, which is good because, like I said, he's he's doing some of the best work of his career right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's it's top heavy for sure. Um, in that, yeah, you know, the Street Profits just feel like they're 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 holding on to him. At least at least we get a match for the Raw titles next week with uh, the New Day against the Hurt Business, and we could see the Hurt Business. Yeah, that'll be good. Taking the titles. Yeah, I mean it's it's a realistic possibility, um, you know. And otherwise, you know, SmackDown the mid card isn't really filled out too well. I mean, you've got most of the other guys are tied up in the um, most of the other guys are tied up in the um, Survivor Series stuff now. So it's um, you know it's kind of they're kind of in a holding pattern until after that's over. Right. Um, you got a squirrel in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, my dogs were going nuts, but um, it's okay. <sighs> These things happen. It's live. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> but yeah, it just it just seems like you know, um, like you said, they they got the Sasha, Carmella thing getting ready to start up. Where Bailey, mm-hmm. I think, will still be involved at some point. But I think the solo feud right now is is done for the time being. Yeah, and then you know you have Ray and Seth and Dominic and Buddy and. Aaliyah and the storyline that will never ever end. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see where they go with this. I mean, yeah. yeah, they they just all they did was move it from Raw to SmackDown, and and I'm kind of kind of want to see it go away or at least move Seth Rollins away from it. I mean, it's just been going on longer than what it should have. Yeah, and I think if it in a roundabout way it gives Murphy the opportunity to have a good program with Seth Rollins, I think it might be worth it. But otherwise, it's just like, oh, my God. They, I think Seth and Dominic wrestled at SummerSlam, and it is November. Yeah. <laughs> and it just – it needs to end. It's just – I mean, and I'm sure Seth's going to take some time off at some point here with Becky. You know, I think she's probably going to be about due here in the next month or two. Well, yeah, it's funny you bring that up because, you know, this past week's SmackDown, Murphy seemed like he was going to pass things up with Rollins mm-hmm. and then told Aaliyah, trust him, like – Okay, <laughs> I know a guy, a guy online made a good point. He's like, so do people think Rollins don't watch the show and doesn't see that? <laughs> Are we supposed to be yeah. an idiot that doesn't watch this? <laughs> Murphy just said to Leah. <laughs> That's mean, pretty common. So that always happens in wrestling. It's like, don't tell anybody about this, but you're on camera. Yeah. So <laughs> you're assuming whoever you're going to screw over doesn't watch the show. Right. Which is kind of telling in of itself. Like, not even we watch this crap. Like. <laughs> Well, it's so, like, yeah, Murphy getting a full revenge on Rollins as well as the Mysterios to put Rollins out maybe for a bit so he can be at home with Becky when she does does deliver. So I think it's leading to Rollins taking a little bit of a break. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think 
Murphy will be a great addition to the mid card, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I could see him working with, you know, like Sami Zayn or, you know, any of the, any of those guys that are, you know, in the middle of the SmackDown card and, you know, helping to elevate himself because he's a very, very talented wrestler. And um, I, I hope to see big things from him. I, I've obviously, I've, you know, no no shame about, I mean, the, the matches he had against Roman were just, just blew my mind. And um, you know, I, I hope to see big things from him. Well, another thing I want to touch on since we got some time is changing the the entrance music of a lot of the wrestlers. I know that they ended their dealing with CFO, which was um, which contributed a lot of the music. But now, I don't know if you heard Nikki Cross's latest tune, but it does not fit her at all. They totally changed yeah. Keith Lee's tune, Alistair Black. It's like, okay, I understand you want to break away from this company, but but this music is kind of what defines them. You know, I mean, yeah. it's when, when you put some music with them that makes no sense, or you're putting with Keith Lee just some hard rock generic metal tune, and it's like you're not giving these guys any kind of uh, any kind of flair. No, and I mean, and music's part of it. It gives it gives personality. It sets the tone for for what it is. I mean, if Goldberg came out to Flight of the Bumblebee, he probably wouldn't have been as as intimidating and 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 dominating as he looked, um, and. You know, it's, I, would you change Brock Lesnar's theme music? Would you change John Cena's theme music? No. I mean, they've changed the Undertakers over the years, but he's, he's usually gone back to the, the Bells, you know. And um, Well, it's always fit his character, too. It's fit his tone. Yeah. Doing. It always fit his character. So it always fit. But it's like the music they're using yeah. now does not fit any of the wrestlers that – it's like, mean, you're better off just – keeping their old music, paying for the rights, whatever you needed to do. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, get someone else to record it. I mean, it's not the end of the world, you know, that's, but, it, but that's part of, you know, they, it, it, it drives you nuts because the things that WWE spends money on and then the things that they don't, I mean, you know, the music matters, the pyro, you know, the pyro mattered, you know, now it's back and it makes a complete difference in the entrances. It makes them seem more epic. But now you don't want to spend money on music. So you got, you know, some guy with a Casio keyboard going, Oh, this is Keith Lee. Do 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 do. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's stupid. And it's you know, if you're gonna go in, you need to go all in on on everybody and make sure that you know they get every chance in the world to be something bigger than you know, than they were. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. It's just and Keith Lee, that the, the booking of him, him has just been frustrating. They put him straight into a main event feud, but they didn't want him to lose. But they didn't want McIntyre Norton to lose either. So it was always DQs or countouts or no yeah. contests. It's like it did him no favors at all. Yeah, I think I'm hoping that this uh, Team Raw thing ends up with him and AJ um, facing off. Because I think that could be a very, very... Good, you know, as far as wrestling goes, I think that would be a fantastic feud to watch. Oh yeah, AJ could put him over and not and not be uh, JJ's to the point of his career where he could lose every match he's in and still be a main event star. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's got that. He's got that Ric Flair that that Chris Jericho uh, rub that it does. I mean, he can lose and it's not going to hurt him at all. No, I mean, he could challenge. You know, he could lose in a row and challenge for the world title and you wouldn't blink an eye at it no because um, he's so talented in the ring he's so talented in the ring yeah. and outside the ring i mean as a heel he's killing it man he's he's that annoying yeah. douchebag heel that is just 
it's just awesome to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's so talented on both sides. And, you know, it's funny that, you know, he, the big knock against him, especially early on, was that he couldn't couldn't cut a promo. But, uh, but he's become – you know, he's continued to work on his craft and continue to get better, which is more than you can say for a lot of people. Um, you know, a lot of them just, you know, they find their niche and they stick to it. But but AJ's continued to push the envelope, you know, for his entire career. Now, and I'm interested to see what they do with this big bodyguard that he has. I mean, they, they're not using the name that he originally was, which was Jordan. I think they're – because they're not calling him by that name. They're just saying his gigantic associate. It's like, yeah, you really need to find a name for this guy and – really find out what his purpose there with AJ is. Yeah, I don't – I mean, the, the, the big bodyguard thing has been done before, but um, I, I think it's just a way to get, you know, get a rub to someone else, get them give them a chance to, you know, be, be in the spotlight. But, yeah, you can't just bring someone in. And I think he was the bouncer for Raw Underground, which is <laughs> completely disappeared. But um, yeah, I, th- I think I think they took that off because of the COVID cases rising, so they decided to put the kibosh on that for a while. Uh, okay, that's why that yeah, that's no longer around. Okay, that would make sense. Then um, I know it hadn't been on the last few episodes, but um, but that that makes perfect sense. Um, so any other parting thoughts you want to get in, Jesse, or anything else you want to? cover in the last couple minutes here no uh i just want to tell people you know some things that look forward to coming up to where i think maybe next week or the week after we're going to do our big uh, sting retrospective and then we're going to do a rick flair retrospective which is actually going to be done in three parts this man's had such a, a wide long career that you just can't cover it in one episode so uh, that's some things to look yeah. forward to um just, just keep tuning in because we're going to keep uh entertaining you as only we can Yep, and absolutely, and you know we, you know we're we're big WWE guys, but um, I'm going to attempt to watch Wrestle Kingdom this year. Um, I know there's some big matches on that card that I want to see with uh, Will Ospreay and um, uh, now I'm losing my mind. Kazuchi, uh, Okada. We'll just call him Okada. Um, <laughs> you know they finally turned on one another, and um, or Will Ospreay turned on him, and um, now Osprey's got his own stable. Um, <laughs> So I, I'm interested in that, and um, you know, obviously, I I continue to watch AEW, even though it frustrates the crap out of me sometimes. But um, <clears throat> you know, we we've got a lot coming up, and like like Jesse said, man, this this Ric Flair retrospective is going to probably be one of my favorite things we've done, um, just because you know Ric Flair is such a diverse character. I mean, he's changed so much over his his time in the business that from a big bruising brawler to, you know, surviving a plane crash to, you know, becoming the nature boy. And, you know, we're going to cover all of it. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I know you are too. Oh yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. So, all right, folks, uh, next episode, we join you will be number 20. So um, it's hard to believe we've already got that far in this, in this journey, but, um, but we just keep cranking them out. So, um, you know, obviously all the normal stuff I ask you to do, reviews on on apple podcasts and follow us and like us and tell your hairdresser about us and if you're bald like me and jesse um i guess <laughs> tell the guy at the counter when you buy razors. um but um but yeah we uh we appreciate you guys every week jesse my friend you uh have yourself a fantastic evening all right everybody uh have a, have a great evening and be safe all right good night everyone